Hello, beautiful souls. I'm your host, Nicole Nashi, and welcome to the Intuition Age. My intention for this podcast is to cultivate a sacred space where we can collectively evolve into higher states of conscious and self-awareness. I believe that the sustenance and purpose of our being is already located within the depths of our souls. We just have to rediscover and realign with it. It's time to go inward to find all the answers, clarity, and knowledge we seek. So let's journey within. What if I told you that your soul's purpose was written in the stars? Because it is, such profound, innate wisdom and knowledge resides within the cosmic blueprint that makes up your soul. You just have to become reacquainted with it. We are all such complex, multidimensional, multifaceted beings, and our path to greater self-awareness and discovery is entirely personalized. We have to explore ourselves through modalities that feel divinely aligned with our personal journey. Recognizing this vastness of our being really allows us to appreciate the various practices that instigate understanding of our true essence. As my own journey still unfolds, I am regularly presented with these divine wisdoms that enact my very being. And Vedic astrology, the topic of this episode, actually appeared in my reality as I was yearning for a deeper connection to my cosmic essence. And that is actually how I connected with my incredible guest today, who will be sharing her insights into the traditional Hindu astrology. Tara Lee is an absolutely brilliant, kind-hearted soul. She uses astral science to guide cosmic women through the domains of their life so that they can cultivate their full potential and create a soul-aligned reality. Her personal journey to self-discovery is so inspiring. Navigating a cult-like religion, control issues in domestic relationships, and many, many dark nights of the soul. After witnessing her mother's aggressive battle with cancer, Tara gave herself permission to just exist in alignment with her soul's purpose. I am beyond excited to welcome Tara to the intuition age. She was ever so gracious to examine my Vedic birth chart, which truly instigated such deep reassurance and healing to the essence of my being. So let's all utilize our cosmic design so that we may attune ourselves to a path of alignment, fulfillment, and evolution. Hi, Tara Lee. Welcome to the Intuition Age. Thanks, Nicole. I'm so happy to be here. I'm happy to have you. So today, or even just like months ago, I was just looking at my birth chart, trying to kind of like analyze it and really try to like comprehend why I was experiencing certain situations now and like certain transitions. And obviously, consciously and collectively, there's a lot going on for all of us. So I kind of wanted to look at my chart and see if there was any explanation towards that. And there were some placements that I found that I just didn't necessarily align with. And that kind of got me exploring just like alternatives outside of like Western astrology. 
So I started looking at Vedic astrology and that's when I literally saw you come up on my Instagram feed and I'm like, I have to ask her if she'll come on this podcast. So, so happy you're here. The divine uh, intervention there. (laughs) Definitely. So to start, why don't we just kind of talk about the differences between the two astrologies? Yeah, definitely. So the, the biggest difference between the Western and the Vedic system is Western is based on the uh, tropical system and Vedic on the sidereal system. So the main difference between those systems is the Western is based on the Earth's equinoxes and the Earth's tilt. So the Earth's tilt over thousands of years has changed um, and now there's a 24-degree difference between um, the fixed stars which is what sidereal Vedic astrology is based on. So the Vedic astrology is based on, like I said, the fixed stars, so really relates directly back to astronomy. Um, So this is why in Vedic we consider it a more like a spiritual science. But because of that 24-degree difference, it means that in, say, Western you could be um, a Sagittarius, and then in Vedic, it could be Capricorn. So, yeah, your sun sign, your um, rising sign could be different. And sometimes that's really hard to um, adjust to because you've spent a lot of your time um, thinking that your identity is your sun sign. So is it just the sun sign that changes or does basically because it's 24 degrees, your whole chart completely change? Yeah, it makes a, it ma- makes a massive impact on your chart. Definitely. So not just not just affecting the sun sign, because in Vedic astrology, that is the other main difference is in the Western system, it's based um, a lot on the sun, where in Vedic, we give more importance to the ascendant or the rising sign and also the moon sign and then the sun sign. So, yeah, the ascendant and the moon very much being the, the main um the main aspects or planets that we look at in in the Vedic chart. Is there a reason then in Western astrology that we look at our sun sign the most? Yeah, well, the Western um, was actually based off the Vedic originally. And I think because in the Egyptian times and the sun was so prevalent um, and that just became what we thought was the centre of everything, So I can really understand how um, in that system the sun is important. And, yes, it is important in Vedic as well. But the rising sign, we use that in Vedic astrology like the Western system uses the sun sign. So very much about um, our personality, how how we look, um, how we come across. And we also use it as an indication of our health um, as well. So, yeah, it, it's, it's really interesting to look at those two systems and having an understanding of both and seeing which one that you resonate with as well. So what do you do if you're someone who's like absolutely married to your chart in Western astrology? Because I know I love being a Taurus sun and just the idea of now being like an air. I, I know like obviously the sun we just spoke about, like we look at more moon and ascendant. 
But just the thought about being like a fire sign, like Aries, that just doesn't really sit well with me. Yeah. So um, with that, we need to look at the whole chart. So um, not just that one aspect of it, because, yeah, I think that um, changing that is is really hard. But the interesting thing about the sun sign in Vedic, we say that that's the sign that the soul grows into. So what I mean by that is when our soul progresses along our journey, we become more like our sun sign. So in the early years, we represent more of our ascendant sign. And then, so this is what I like to say to my clients, like if you're not uh, resonating with your Vedic sun sign, perhaps that's something that later down the track that you'll grow into those personality traits. So yeah, that's really interesting to look at. And yeah, in the Vedic system, you are an Aries. So (laughs) I already looked. Yeah. (laughs) It's at 24 degrees. So could some people though, because it's only 24 degrees, still be the same signs in both Western and Vedic? Yeah, definitely. So I am the same in both. Oh, (laughs) lucky you. (laughs) So wait, what are you then in Western and Vedic? Uh, I'm Sagittarius. So were you born in the middle of the month or no, closer to the cusp were you? I'm, I'm the 18th actually. Okay. So So then it would be like 18th, maybe it's like 21st that they're usually stay the same sign if I'm getting my dates correctly. Yes. Okay. Yes. (laughs) Wow. Look at me. So why don't we actually, so you were so great and you actually did my Vedic astrology chart for me which I have, like I've Googled, but I was just like more difficult for me to understand just because I've never actually learned how to analyze one of those charts. And it's very different than Western astrology chart. So why don't we maybe just go to like key placements and start discussing that and then we'll see where all the differences are. Yeah, definitely. So I really like to start with the moon sign. Uh, Did you know what your moon sign is in your Western chart? It's a Aries. Yeah. So I guess I'm a Pisces. Yes. Oh, yes. no. <laughs> We're having a live identity crisis. <laughs> Seriously. Welcome, everyone. This is like a therapy <laughs> session for me. Uh, yeah, so the moon sign and why we play so much importance in it is because, you know, the moon is changing every day. Um, and so I uh, play particular attention to the, the new moon and the full moon, but um, we integrate that in... Um, Vedic astrology with yoga and that's why we do our yoga practices every day so it's that constant uh, practice with the changeability of the moon so this is why we're doing the yoga to offset these changes and bring us back to balance and so the moon sign it really represents like our emotional energies and like our innate reactions and and really it makes us understand what makes us feel comfortable and secure. So really like relating to our emotional and I guess intuitive makeup as well. And this is why it's one of the first things that I'll look at in a chart. And so that means I'm highly intuitive if I'm a Pisces moon. Yes. Cool. Yes. See, this I, is the I, intuition I, age. Yeah. So you're um, having your moon placement in Pisces. You're more drawn to like the romantic, the creative, the compassionate and really service orientated and spiritual dimensions of life. That's really that Pisces energy there with that moon and really, yeah, having that, that spiritual, yeah, connection. So with that as well, um, with the moon sign, 
when we're doing compatibility charts and things like that, or even if you want to know your family members, obviously with their permission, just looking at their moon sign is a really good indicator to understand um, how they react, what their emotions are and what they need to feel um, secure. So that's one of the first things if you're wanting to learn about your chart, definitely have a knowledge around what your moon sign is. And yeah, I, I just highly recommend doing that as well. Okay, so just like recommend starting with the moon and then looking at like the ascendant, I guess usually like the big three, kind of like we do in Western and then yes. kind of branch out from there. Yes. Um, and then, so yeah, we look at the moon sign and then the other big aspect that I look at is um, the midheaven. Um, so have you heard of the midheaven that I look at because I love the a lot of the clients that come to me, they want to know more about their career and their, their purpose. And um, I, the midheaven really gives us an indication of uh, potential uh, profession and what we're more likely to uh, have uh, qualities of mm-hmm. what's going to be good for that career. Okay. Where is mine located? So yours is very interestingly located in Aquarius. Oh, age so, of Aquarius. Yes. So very so like I, social justice and like revolution and. Yes. And very much that free spirit, uh, sp- like free spirit, like entrepreneur, like that ind- independent, really self-reliant spirit um, doesn't need to depend on anyone but themselves. Um, really that idealist energy as well. Um, That's so interesting because really, it's in. Which one is it in for me in Western? I think I, I thought it was in Capricorn for me, but now that doesn't make sense. No, I thought, yeah, I thought Western astrology was in Capricorn. <laughs> but now that I'm looking at dates, I'm like, that doesn't quite make sense. It would have been in Pisces. Yeah. So did you, we like, I don't resonate with that. Not at so, all. <laughs> <laughs> so with this uh, Midheaven in Aquarius, it really shows that you have those influential tendencies as well. Um, that really that you can inspire the masses. And you know the Aquarius energy is always around that freedom of thought um, and action and really that liberty and that humanitarianism. So really a big focus for you is on that service quality as well. So yeah, I like really that low- placement. What was that? Sorry. I like that placement. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good one to have. Yeah. So I guess the Aquarius energy is really about that. Um, yeah, really you believe in true progress. And when I say progress, it's always from like a humanitarian perspective and really like that visionary energy. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's a really nice placement to have. It's just, yeah, like even all my Aquarius friends, they're just like always for the greater good. And like, I resonate with that so deeply. Like it's always like other people's interests and just the progress- progression of all of us collectively that I'm all for. Like, I feel like I never really do. And I don't know if I'm being like egotistic here, but I don't really do things like selfishly or just like for me, like it's always with the back of my mind with that thought that like I need to help progress other people yes. as well. And then it's definitely that energy coming through. Yeah. Um, and then the other main thing that I look at in Vedic astrology, which is different from Western, is what we call the nakshara. 
And so the Nakshara in Vedic astrology is referred to as the lunar mansion. And basically it's a breakdown of uh, the, if you're looking at Western, the zodiac wheel, it's broken down into 27 different segments. And so without getting too technical, what this basically is, is the star that we you're born under the time that you're at birth, what star you're born under. Is there a Western equivalent to this or no? No, no. And this is why it is really important because I get a lot of my information from the Nakshara placement because it can give me a lot of indication about potential um, health um, concerns, something that you need to um, just have in the back of your mind. And it also gives us our soul's uh, purpose, like our overall um, And when I say soul's purpose, I don't mean it's going to be really uh, direct. It's something that um, is underlining our incarnation here. So it's only for this incarnation. It doesn't span like incarnations throughout lifetimes. Yes, um, correct. But from this, there's actually, and I don't like to say levels, there's four. um, There's four like uh, components. Yes. (laughs) I got you. (laughs) Yeah. So it's really like the progression and, you know, at the end of that, it's always coming back to that spiritual aspect and that Mm. spiritual pursuit in, in in every one of those. Um, So yeah, that's an indication that we can look at uh, within the chart to definitely see like the soul's progression um, and, and what we need to make sure we, are getting out of this lifetime. So do all the four components then have a different meaning? Yes. Oh. Yes. So uh, I can go through them with you and I can let you know yours. Okay. Okay. Are you ready? I'm nervous. No. <laughs> um, so yeah, like I said, there's, um, there's really, I, yeah. Oh, should I say yours first or should you want me to go through them? Maybe let's go through them. <laughs> okay. So um, with the first one, it's the Dharma. So a a lot of you would have heard about um, the Dharma before and it really refers to fulfilling our right purpose. And what I mean by that is our true calling of what we're here to do in this lifetime. So really fulfilling that purpose, acknowledging the purpose, going towards that purpose and then fulfilling it. So this aspect is very much about uh, more to do with our career, making sure that what we're choosing and what we're going towards, we're getting that fulfillment there. So then we've got ARPA, which is really about the achieving of goals that relates specifically to material wealth. And when I talk about material wealth and when Beatty talks about material wealth here we're talking about yes there's the material aspect of it but always wanting to bring that back to like a spiritual aspect so once we've because I feel like my mind already just went straight to like purses and clothes and like cars (laughs) I'm like oh material (laughs) yeah yeah my Taurus sun in western astrology Yeah, so this one's very much related to the income and wealth and really like looking after yourself from that perspective. And it's interesting when you look at this because, you know, you could probably identify 
um, some people that have in your in your life that have more you'd be able to see have more of a um, like a yearning for that and wanting to do that and it's not necessarily and there's nothing like wrong with wanting to pursue that you know perhaps that's something in this lifetime that you need to attain um so attaining that so then you can fulfill your spiritual um yeah so really fulfilling um the spiritual quest you know once we've obtained all the possessions then it's okay what what can we do now how can we give back to our society uh so then there's um kama so the kama is literally means desire so it really refers to um the emotional and the sensory happiness so really in this pursuit it's all about enjoyment it's all about going with our desires um and really and, and really bringing that joy into our life, like our soul in that incarnation is here to have, have experience that joy. And then lastly is the moksha. So moksha means uh, freedom and I guess the final liberation of the soul. So it really relates here to spiritual growth and really transcending those, um, the karma, the, the dharma and the artha as well. So really releasing all those other stages of the life of of the soul progression all of those just sound like such like integral parts of our soul's purpose and discovering it and just making like sure that we live fulfilled joyous lives here on earth so it's kind of strange that like western astrology doesn't have some sort of like component to that yeah so i guess the the vedic system has such an importance on our karma and really wanting to reduce our karmic footprint in this lifetime. So this is why this placement is is really important uh, on a soul level to know um, how we can fulfill our karma and yeah, how how we can release the burdens of, of our previous karma. Because I carry, I know like one of my purposes literally in this life is to release some of that, especially like past life ancestral karma that I carry. Like I feel it literally, like I physically feel it on my back every single day, how much karma I'm carrying. So just the fact that there's literally like a point in my chart that helps me with that progression and with releasing that, what the heck, like why didn't I learn about that sooner? Yeah, it's it's really uh, it's really deep information to know, and I love that you have awareness around it because it's it's so important when you when you heal your karma, just like you say, you're healing it for for generations, mm-hmm. and so you feeling that deep calling. Um, yeah, it, it's it's really beautiful to have. Because it's like so discouraging too, just knowing, especially people who are like aware of like past lives, especially if they didn't have like the best incarnations. Like we do, we all have karma, but just being kind of like unable to release some of that or not knowing how to go about releasing it. I feel like that's, I don't know, weighs heavy. Like I feel like sometimes that weighs heavier than the actual karma itself. Yes, definitely. And this is why I, with my work, I spend um, a lot of time with the power of words and because I'm, I'm mindful, um, like every word that we say yeah. and the intention behind the word is creating our karma. And 
And like not just in this projected reality, like it surpasses even what's before us. It's going to be in our like next lives to come. It's like in our, because like we're multidimensional. Like again, I believe like time doesn't necessarily exist. Like I don't think it's linear. I feel like it's so fluid. So just like how our karma is, how we're enacting like our thoughts and our words in this projected reality, it's influencing literally like our whole lifetimes, our future lifetimes, everything right now. Yes, yes, directly. And the higher consciousness you are, so the higher state of your consciousness and the greater awareness that you have, the quicker that your karma comes back to you. So that uh, can be a scary thing, but we can look at that as a, as a really empowering thing as well. So everything within uh, the astrology charts, we want to look at as empowering information. So knowing that um, you have like a higher consciousness that you are going to, uh, you know, turn that karma around very quickly. So you might say a wrong intention here and then it will come straight back to you like instant. Um, and so that is really good to keep us mindful about, yeah, our words, the energetics that we're putting out there. And yeah, I think that's also in a good way, like good karma coming back to us. We don't always want to speak about, you know, it is, we read what we sow, but in a good aspect as well, getting that good uh, karma return to us quickly. So should we look into, now I'm curious, my karma? Yes. So your placement is the, and was there one that you resonated with more? (laughs) I won't put you on the spot. Um, is Kama. So that one is literally means desire. So really referring to your emotional and sensory happiness. So having that enjoyment. So yeah, really, probably really, that one, to be honest, I resonated yes. with the most. Yeah. So yeah, referring to like the desires of the mind and the physical body as well. So that desire for passion and emotion. So, um, you know, being okay to have that attraction and desire and relating to, yeah, that pleasure aspect of life. And when we look at this through a spiritual lens, because we want to do that with all of the, all of these, um, are your pleasures aligning with your life purpose and how can you combine those? Yeah. So the, the thing about this one is just being present Um, present in whatever you're experiencing and it's really about that total sensory experience and yeah establishing emotional connection like learning the process of enjoyment and really experiencing feelings of well-being um, through the whole journey of the experience so when you're in something just being fully present and getting all the enjoyment out of it which I'm sure you can resonate with not knowing that now Mm -hmm. I'm, I am like, I'm well aware of like living in the present and really trying to like encompass all the good vibrations and frequencies I feel when I'm doing something that's like optimizing my wellness and vitality. But I'm also someone who's very like future focused and always trying to like progress and get better. That sometimes I don't necessarily just like disregard, but kind of like lessen the, I don't know, positivity and happiness and joy that I feel in those moments, because I always think that there's like something better that could still come. Yes. Well, this is really good information to get you to come back to that and be mindful of it. You know, this is the thing that I love about astrology. It's really about 
that self-mastery and really, really the birth chart, I guess we can say it's a mirror of the soul. So in this particular incarnation, so it it's just, it kind of allows us, it gives us the keys to that unfoldment of spirit and that unfoldment of our inner self, because that's the journey that we're on. We always want to be coming back to finding that, that inner divinity. No, for sure. Of course. Like that's all, like, I honestly feel like the purpose and the reason all of us have been incarnated in like human form in this lifetime. So to first off live a very human experience, but also reconnect and acknowledge again, those like soul purposes, like that karma, our own divinity as well. And yeah, it's again, more difficult than just like being able to see it, say it. But at the same time, it's also like, that's what drives us. Like, that's what excites us. The fact that there's so much like self-improvement to do and like self-acknowledgement. I know personally, that's what kind of like motivates me. Yes. Yes. And that's why I'm so passionate about this because not that the birth chart is going to give us all the answers, but it can really help us unlock things that uh, have been hit like more hidden under the surface. So we don't necessarily acknowledge about ourselves. So that's why with the um, the chart, it's really sometimes, I guess, a bit of a permission slip and saying, you know, these are your innate uh, talents that you have from in this incarnation and acknowledge them. And because that's sometimes the hardest thing to do is get back to, you know, release all that conditioning, release everything that we've told you know, where we're supposed to be. And that's where the confusion comes because, you know, all that programming of you need to be like this, um, you need to say that. And then I find with the astrology chart, it it just gives us that full permission just to be ourselves. So you don't have to accept everything in the chart and it's in, in no way fatalistic, but it can be really empowering information to allow us to come back to ourselves like our inner self like who we were really meant to be before uh society was telling us uh, who we should should be be. definitely definitely and again it's just like starting with that acknowledgement because I feel like society oh my god now we're just having like a shame on society (laughs) but no it's true like I feel like society has kind of just like disaligned us in a way and what we resonate with and what we aspire to be isn't aligned with who we truly are, who we authentically are. So just like, even if you just like glare at your chart and learn about the placements and just like read through it and just acknowledge that there is an essence there that's so unique and so individualized, like you were saying, just like so liberating in itself. Yeah. And, and don't get too overwhelmed with it. Like if you're a beginner looking at your chart, um, like you said, just look at those those major, those major planets and how that is potentially uh, impacting and, and what qualities that can give you. And then like take those, um, those pieces and then like you can add on to your knowledge and your knowledge base. And so, yeah, it, it's, it's really empowering. And, and like I said, it's not fatalistic at all. There is like a fate aspect of the chart, but nothing is set in stone. We can... Um, and that's what I love about Vedic astrology as well. It doesn't just give us the information and say, uh, this is 
this is your life. What's going to be, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's very much about the remedies. And so we work with a lot of mantras and um, to shift the planetary energies if we're having any challenging or difficult times. So there's aspects like that. We also use the yantras and we also use um, aspects of Ayurveda because Ayurveda and which is the science. I was going to ask about that. Yeah. So they're, they're very much, they're a sister science. And so Ayurveda, yoga, um, Vedic astrology and um, Vatsu, which is the, the um, science of space. So very much like the, the feng shui aspect. Um, so those systems um, from the Vedic texts are meant to be integrated all with each other. So that is like the the manual for life, all those systems of, on how to, yeah, look after our physical body, our spiritual body. And yeah, so there's you recommend aspects. starting then with the astrology aspect of it or like should you do the medical, should you do the space, the yoga, like what's easiest to start? Yeah, so the the biggest one, it really, it's that's a really great question because I started off my journey with Ayurveda and the, which is the science of life. So it's for, it's um, Indian medicine. So it's very much uh, about the herbs and the physical body. Um, and it, But it is a holistic health. So we always look at the root cause. We don't just want to look at the symptoms, but getting to the root cause of why this symptom is coming up. And when through my journey um, and seeing the, my clients, it always comes back to that emotional, like this illness is created uh, or the disease is created by emotional element. So it really manifests in our mind before it manifests in our body. So this is why I love uh, Vedic astrology so much because it's very much that, like I said, the spiritual science. And so if we can understand ourselves on a soul level and when we're healing and when we're going through a disease, we say we ha- you need to heal your soul before your physical body will heal. And so this is why I think um, studying all the systems is important, but really having this understanding on a soul level, making sure where, you know, we've got self-expression, we've got love, we've got wealth, we've got these things like the, the, the foundations um, of our happiness. So yeah, the, the soul and understanding that I think is, is a really important aspect. And then, yeah, the, definitely the Ayurvedic, so the, the remedies, the physical, how we can maintain our body, um, is, is very important as well. Cause like, we're just all interconnected and like, even I honestly find that like my physical pains and illnesses exactly like you said, always arise when something was off energetically, etherically, mentally, astrally, like it always becomes situated somewhere else first before it materializes into like a physical pain. So it's just, again, so important to like examine ourselves as like these interconnected beings and realizing that like we are a soul, like we do have like mental capacity, we are a physical body and just realizing how all of that is connected and how all of those impact one another. Yeah, that's, that's beautiful. And yeah, having that awareness, like once we know ourselves and we know our body and then we can understand that, like what, what it feels like to, um, yeah, feeling good health as well. I think 
um, knowing in Ayurveda, we talk about the doshas, which is the vata, pizza, and the kapha. And so always bringing those back to balance, knowing what our body type is. And yeah, I encourage everyone to, on a, a basic level, to know what their main dosha is. So having that awareness, so we're always coming back back to balance. Is there a way to find out how you could get back to balance when you look at your your chart? Yeah, so that, that's really interesting. And this is how they intertwine as well. So the chart can show us our elemental breakup. And so in Ayurveda, the elements are present in each one of the doshas, so the vata, pitta, kapha. So from a chart perspective, um, I can actually see what we call is the vikriti. So the vikriti is what our soul constitution was born as. So the vikriti is, um, sorry, the prakriti is what we we're born with and the vikriti is what we have now. So what I can do is looking at the chart, I can see what dosha makeup you're born with and then we can assess now what your dosha type is here. And so what we're wanting to do is we're always wanting to go back from your um, your birth energetics. So and at so, what point in our life, though, do we kind of like shift away from that? No, we never shift away from our constitution. We always want to be going back to it. Oh, okay, okay. So it's always yeah. there. Yes. We just need to and remind so ourselves the, to reconnect with it. Yeah, yeah, this is it. So depending on like our life circumstances or um, the the diet that we're having, we can we can shift away from it. But having that awareness of, you know, what our constitution was when we were born with and allowing ourselves to get back to that. And that's what we can see from the chart. But uh, this can also be done with um, pulse analysis as well. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a really, it's a really good indication to see. And so with that element makeup, we can see in the chart, if one element is more dominant than the other, and then we want to look at balancing, bringing in that element that's missing. And if we don't bring that element in that's missing, we tend to look uh, for that element in someone else, or we tend to be around more people that have that quality that we don't. So wait, what are the elements and which one am I missing? Uh, so there's um, earth, fire, water, um, and air. So yours, I was looking at, is very balanced. Oh, okay. Very balanced. Yeah, so yours is actually perfection balanced. So you have four qualities in air, four in earth, five in air, and four in water. So very, very balanced elementally there. So that's good. Do some people have zero in certain elements? Could that be a possibility? Or do we always have at least like one or two in each? Yeah, there's always at least one element. And so, yeah, if the lowest is the, you know, one or two, then we just need to look at how can we balance that? How can we, how can we bring that? Um, back into your life so because we always want to be in balance like we don't want to always be looking outside of ourselves so it's really important to to have that awareness around it so could we also find balance in like experiences or activities or like 
circumstances versus like finding in other people. Yeah, definitely. And this is where Ayurveda comes in because of the Vata Pitta Kapha. So there's particular um, exercises that each of the dosha types should be doing, um, things that we should avoid doing that can tip us out of balance. And so, for example, the Vata dosha is very much related to the air quality. And so if uh, that isn't grounded and if that isn't balanced, we can find that we become more anxious, more um, scattered um, and, yeah, like scattered thinking and really like that burnout. That's really like that Vata energy, like going too much into exhaustion and and to burnout, um, which is what we can see um, on a society level. Um, is, is quite common, like pushing ourselves um, beyond um, where, where we should be going. And so, yeah, that's very much the air element, like just, yeah, getting scattered and spicy. <laughs> that's very much the Vata quality. So and as a the- society, I'm just going to jump in quickly. Do you think that we encompass like one element more than the other? Like collectively, could that be a thing? Yes, uh, I see a lot of pitta imbalances and so pitta is related to the fire. So um, from a health aspect, like a lot of inf- inflammation, um, a lot of uh, like that anger energy, that um, really that hustle um, do, um, that really Mars energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I definitely see that as as a dominating, yeah, as a dominating one. I'd say the, the pitta, that fire. Uh, that drive is um is is a lot of the health elements that I see is is pitta related. And you see that like within clients as well. Yeah. Wow. I could see that. Yeah. Again, just what society, I can't even speak, what society pushes us to do and encompass. And yeah, I, I was going to say be, but no, it's just like what society tells us to do because there's so much doing. And I see that so prevalently with like fire element. Yes. And then we have the earth quality, which is really that grounding mother-like earth energy um, that, yeah, we're always wanting to have an element of that, always bringing it back to the earth. And so, yeah, that that's a really beautiful quality to have, like that really mothering, nurturing intuitive energy well I'm apparently not an earth sun anymore so unfortunately I don't have that as my main element (laughs) which one's my main one now it's air you said so you're the like I said it's pretty balanced um but the main the one that's more dominant out of them is the air quality Mm -hmm. which is you know where you'll get um burnout you know your ideas and everything from as well that visionary that communication which is very much why you're doing what you're doing this is actually all so interesting so I want to talk because like obviously with western astrology you have just like different conjunctions like different house systems and obviously you look at the planets is there one area in particular that you look at for Vedic astrology like just to start obviously you look at everything but just like starting off like do you start with the planets usually or houses is there even a house system yeah so I look at definitely the main planets and then what I look at is if there is any stellium so the stellium is um, a a group of planets in one house 
because that really is an indication. Well, what I like to say is when we have a planet in a house, so there's, for those that don't know, there's 12 houses and they all represent a different aspects of our life. So when we have planets uh, conglomerated in one, in one house, it really shows to us that it's a lessons in this lifetime that we need to, um, need to learn and uh, have awareness around. We want to master those houses. So not, the, not that the planets are here to torment us or anything like that. The planet's energy in the houses is very much to, to call in opportunities and to call in those challenges so our soul can grow. So where the planets are placed in the house is a, is a really good indication of, you know, challenges and opportunities that we're going to have in our life. So having an overall uh, look at where our planets are placed in the houses is, is really good knowledge to have. So are the houses the same in Western and Vedic? Yes, yes. Okay, so I still have multiple planets in my 7th and 11th house, or did that change? Yeah, so you have a stellium in your 11th house. And so the 11th house is, <laughs> is all to do with groups and friends and like that social awareness and that humanitarianism, again, that element coming through. And, and the 11th house is a lot to do with our hopes and wishes for the future. So this I'm is just why... I'm just it's not you... the 12th house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, the 12th house doesn't get a lot of love. <laughs> Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think I still have, well, in Western astrology, I have my Venus in there. I don't know if it stayed the same. Hopefully it changed. That's not one of my favorite placements. So your Venus is actually in your 12th house. Oh God, it stayed the same. <laughs> <laughs> You're just going to use some aspects of the Western and some of the Vedic, whatever suits. So yeah, That's so what I was planning on house. doing. But the I know that the 12th house gets a um, gets a bad rap, but it is also to do with spirituality and um, karma and what's hidden, hidden and um, yeah, the subconscious as well. So, and it is about healing um, and closure too. Is it still in Gemini or did it yes. move? Oh my yes, God. So did it move to Taurus? Because like, obviously the chart's different when you look at both astrologies. So I'm just trying to, because I'm picturing when I searched up my Vedic astrology chart, I didn't really quite see where the houses were. So I don't know. How do you analyze that? Yes. So when you're looking at the Vedic chart and you're used to a Western chart, it can be a little bit confusing. There is some systems that incorporate the Vedic astrology chart in the same sort of circular uh, look as the Western chart, which uh, I would say is the best place to start because then it's not such a, such a huge change. And I guess visually you can see where the planets are placed. It's, it's a good um, peripheral um, look at it. So yeah, definitely that, that aspect is good to look at. And does Vedic astrology also have degrees with each placement? Yes. Yes, definitely. We still have the degrees in, in that system as well. And then for people who don't know, what do the degrees mean? Like what's, I don't know, one degree as opposed to like 15 degrees as opposed to like 23? Yeah, so each uh, zodiac uh, sign, so it, the, the house uh, is 30 degrees in, in those. And so where that 
planet is positioned is um, we refer to a degree. And so where that planet's placed, you can see if it's at the start. So, you know, that would be more in the lower numbers or if it's progressing towards the higher. So you can just see where, where it's situated in that. Um, so if it's newly coming into that, into that element or it's just about to go into the next one. So that is where we can look at a bit of the soul's progression and where it might be a little bit easier for us if it's in the uh, later degrees within that house, if that's not too technical. So like later degrees, 25 to 30 or even like 20 to 30. Okay. Yeah. And then is the intensity amplified at any point within the like degrees for each planet yeah so overall there is some degrees like if we're if a planet is in its home zodiac sign there is some degrees particularly where it is more heightened so that is that is more advanced astrology where we'd look at if you had say um, Jupiter in Sagittarius and it was on this degree, that means you would have a really, really, um, say, for example, it was your sun, a really strong dominant sun sign. And that would, you know, change some aspects of your overall chart. That's really interesting to look at. Like, again, I know starting with like our big three is always easier and like helps you definitely understand the complexity of yourself, but also just kind of realizing like, when once you get deeper into astrology, those degrees and those houses as well, and just seeing how that intensifies certain planets and intensifies certain signs. And just, yeah, exactly like we, what you were saying. Like if you're Taurus is in, or like Venus and Taurus, like obviously that's like intensified. Like, I don't know, yes. Cancer and Moon, certain things like that. Yeah, definitely. And though, and this is why the I love about astrology because it's there's always more to learn and there's more that you can add on. And this is why, yeah, if you're wanting to, to dive into it, you can, yeah, you can really add on and, yeah, get, get into the different layers and uh, discover yourself as you're doing it. See if it's resonating with you um, is, yeah, it's, it's, it's really, it's really fun tool to, to, to dive into. What advice would you give people who don't really resonate with certain placements, whether it's Western or Vedic? Yeah, what I like to say is um, take what you need. So if you don't resonate with something, I really like that, the Buddhist philosophy around that. So uh, take what information you need and if um, other information that you're reading doesn't resonate with you, you don't need to take it on board. Maybe you don't need to know it right now. Maybe it's not for you. Maybe you just needed to know that you had resistance around it so you could, you know, critically analyze, or am I like that? And then that process in itself is really a self-reflection. So I think there's growth from that too. Mm -hmm. And would you recommend people looking at both astrologies to kind of just like determine and acknowledge the complexity of our being? Yeah, I I am not... um, yeah, I post that at all. I think having that energetics, like you might energetically resonate more with one system than the other. But I think this is is interesting now where more people are, are having the awareness of Vedic astrology and, you know, their sun sign they may have never resonated with in the Western system. And then finally coming to that Vedic system, they feel seen. Um, 
and they feel, yeah, recognised. And so that's been really beautiful for me to see as well. So there's definitely so much from both systems that we can gain. So do you have any last words or information about Vedic astrology you'd like to share? Yeah, um, I guess that, yeah, it's such a, I, I would encourage everyone to, to deep dive into, into their, their chart and really go on that journey of self-mastery. And then the other really important thing that I look at in my charts is really the positioning of the north nodes and the south node. Um, so we call that Rahu and Ketu in the Vedic system. And so what that can tell us is our soul's journey. So where we've come from, the south node, to where the soul wants to go to in this lifetime. And what I really want to say about that is going towards our north node, so in this incarnation, going towards the unknown and what we're not familiar with, something that we haven't spent lifetimes living over and over is going to be uncomfortable. And I really want to encourage people to work through that uncomfortable um, and that even that fear around what you have in your heart's desire and what you know you want to do. I just want to let you know that it is supposed to be uncomfortable. And I think we've been conditioned to think if it's uncomfortable, I should avoid it or like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So really push through that, push Mm. through the fear. You have these innate desires and you know it all, like it's, it's in you, all these answers. And when I have these chart readings, the, the main thing is you already know this information, like deep Mm. in your soul. It's just someone else that, you know, sometimes doesn't know you Mm. is telling you these deep soul truths. I think that's what makes it so uncomfortable. Yeah. Because it's already ingrained in your subconscious. It's ingrained in your soul. But the fact that like basically probably a stranger is telling you this deep soul information, like it's hard to kind of acknowledge that and accept it, especially when like it's so deep rooted in our subconscious that like we consciously are unaware of that information too. It's hard to like gain your acknowledgement through the lens of someone else telling you. Yes, and this is, we can sometimes so easily see it for other, through, you know, other people. And we really need, um, yeah, that, that aspect to look into it. And this is why we have it, this blueprint, like our soul blueprint. So when we're, when we're wavering, um, you know, we can look at this and, and really self-reflect. And it's a really good tool to, keep reinforcing to us, like I said, to be on that journey of karma and fulfilling it and to maximizing and making the most of life. That's, that's really what the, the chart empowers us to do is, is use the energy, use that cosmic energy to amplify what we're here to do, working with that energy. That was just an incredible way to end it. You're so amazing. I'm going to link all your or I'm going to put all your links in the show notes below. And anyone, if they do want a reading from you, could definitely get in contact. I think exactly like what you've been saying this whole time, we're just on this path of self-discovery and rediscovery and just realigning with our soul's true essence. And Mm -hmm. even though like both astrologies, like it's going to give snippets into what our soul craves, what our desires are, what our purpose is, what certain alignments mean. But at the end of the day, it's again, just like reattuning yourself deep down 
to your soul and just realigning with what feels right, what feels true to you, what feels authentic. But I think like, I'm so excited to like learn more about my chart. I definitely want to talk to you about it. But again, I think, yeah, we're just all on this path on earth and this three-dimensional projected reality to discover and rediscover ourselves. So such a great tool to do that. Yeah, I love that. No, definitely. It's, um, yeah, it's all empowering information. Thank you so much for sharing it with us. You're welcome. If you feel enlightened and inspired by the intuition age, I would be eternally grateful if you head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review. This platform truly allows me to act as a catalyst for expanding and elevating human consciousness, both individually and collectively. All shares, downloads, and subscribes help me distribute these divine topics to even more conscious souls. Thank you for tuning in and I'll see you at the next episode.